Welcome to the South Canadian Valley Church of Christ podcast. Please enjoy the following study. It's a blessing to see you. Thank you for joining together in our praise this morning. Thank you for the songs that have been uh, directed this morning and led for this focus on our praise to God. And that's something that I want us to consider. We read out of Psalm chapter 150. I'd like to focus here on these first two verses as we read out of the Psalms. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Recently, I was reading out of the psalm and came to this psalm and uh, was kind of smacked in the face by verse 2. As I read this, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Now, let me tell you, I know what this means. It means praise him because he is great. And when we say the word great, right, um, frosted flakes are great, right? We're not talking about frosted flakes, right? This is a whole nother level of great when we talk about God and his excellent greatness. So I I think we could all agree that this is a standard that... uh, we, we can't quite grasp when we say God is great. And I know this means we praise him because he is great. But as I read this verse, it kind of hit me in a different way that I never really thought about it. Since God is excellent in his greatness, and I not, and I'm called upon to praise him according to his excellent greatness, I had to take a step back and think about what does it have to do with my praise? What kind of praise do I bring to this one who is excellently great in a way that I can't quite comprehend? There is nothing that it compares with God's excellent, amazing, unimaginable greatness. And because of this, but yes, also according to, it makes me think that I am called that you are called to a very high standard of praise as we look to honor God. In Psalm 34, in verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us all exalt his name together. This word bless, I will bless the Lord at all times, means to bless God as an act of adoration, to kneel down, to praise, to salute, to thank. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This word praise means a laudation, a commendation. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. This word boast means to shine, to make a show, to boast to rave, to celebrate, to commend, to give light. And then let us exalt his name together, magnify the Lord with me. The word magnify means to make large in honor, to promote. That's a high standard. And this says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. So let's magnify the Lord. Let us exalt his name Together, that is our purpose, our mission on this earth is to give glory to God, to extol God, to bring honor to him, to glorify him, 
to shine the spotlight, if you will, on God. Praise Him, praise Him. And our songs are littered with this thought, this idea. The Psalms, as you read through, constantly you see this word praise. And I could have started this message, and almost did, this morning with an in-depth study of the Hebrew word for praise in the Old Testament and the Greek words for praise that we find in the New Testament, and I purposely chose not to do that. Um, I simply, in some ways, want us to think about how awesome and mighty and powerful and great and holy and righteous and just God is. And then consider, because of those facts, what kind of praise should someone like me or you bring to God Almighty like that? How would I go about truly honoring God? How would someone like me, how would someone like you bring glory to someone that has that kind of glory, that amount of excellent greatness? I want to consider this in a number of ways, but I want to start talking about our standard of praise in the public assembly as the church comes together for the purpose of worship and praise to God, as we've done here this morning in Norman at 10 a.m. It's likely um, most common that you and I think of this idea of praise as something that's done when the church comes together for worship, because that is one of the things that we do together as a church body, as a church family. And probably even more likely, when we think of the word praise, um, it's, it's natural for us to think of singing, because especially we sing these songs of praise. It was prayed that we sing songs of praise. Amen. These, that is part of what we do. Um, this idea of praise, this word, especially in the Psalms and, and throughout Scripture, as we think about it, it's often connected to singing. But it's certainly not limited to that. But I, I want to start there. I just want to think about our singing for a moment. As we think of what, what's the standard of our singing as we praise God? And certainly our standard in every single thing is God's word. How does God direct us to do that? So we ought to think of things like 1 Corinthians 14 that tell us that we ought to sing with the spirit and the understanding. We ought to go to God's word and we ought to find out that the standard for singing also has something to do in the book of Colossians with teaching and admonishing one another, right? So the standard, what God expects of how we do these things is outlined in scripture in every one of these things that we talk about this morning. But if we think about the standard for my praise, how I do that, the way in which I go about that. If I truly want to bring honor to God, if I truly want to praise Him, then I'm going to do this not only in line with how He wants it done, but as I look to praise Him in song, then there's going to be um, more that I think about. If I think about needing to praise Him, my personal responsibility in praising Him according to His excellent greatness, I need to think about all sorts of things. I need to think if I give my all when I sing these songs. If, if I'm thinking about my brothers and sisters as I teach it and admonish, I'm trying to think, um, how can I positively affect you as I sing these songs of praise to God as we do that together? I'd argue I'd have to think about 
sitting up in my chair and taking a deep breath so I can get enough breath so that, that I can, with my lungs, go ahead and, and create some sound that shows God physically, it's more than that, but physically show God that I'm tuned for praise. And if I think about those things, then I probably ought to think about how this has some physical aspect, the aspect of singing. It has something to do with my mouth and my vocal cords. It has something to do with my mind. It certainly has everything to do with my heart. It has something to do with my diaphragm. It has something to do with how I get air so that I can lift myself up, so that I can project praise. Now, I'm not suggesting that the standard of your praise is how loud you are. <laughs> or how nice you get on top of all those notes and you never flat. Right? That is not the standard of praise. But the standard of praise is did you give it any thought or the consideration as you thought about God and His excellent greatness and what that has to do with how I sing? If we just think about it here in the public assembly. What about praying? As we get together as a church body, we go to God in prayer together. We've been led in prayer multiple times in this assembly this morning. 1 Corinthians 14, the standard is going to tell us that we need to pray with the Spirit and the understanding. We can look in Scripture and we can see Jesus' model prayer. We can look at the standard for how to do these things. But then I have to think about, okay, as I know what God expects for me as a standard, now how do I, how do I actually go about doing that? And especially, I think, as we think of the public assembly, I've got to think about, as I'm praying, wait, hold on, wait, am I, am I praying in the public assembly? Because if I'm not the one who's called on, women, ladies, you're not going to be called on to come in front of this mic and lead a public prayer in this public assembly. According to Scripture, standard of Scripture says that that's not going to happen. Does that mean that you don't pray in the public assembly? But certainly not. You have a responsibility. I'm not picking on the women. Every single guy that's sitting there that's not the one in front of this microphone leading this public prayer, everyone is praying. You're supposed to be. You have a responsibility in that. If I think about how does prayer and how I approach prayer in the public assembly, whether I'm leading it or whether I'm praying alongside the one who's leading, am I following has everything to do with how I praise God according to His excellent greatness. Does it matter to me? Have I put any thought or attention into it? Do you focus when you're being led in prayer? Are you praying alongside? When you say amen, whether that's privately in your head or one of you who says publicly out loud, can you actually mean that? Can you say, yes, I agree. We're in agreement. Yes. What I say. That's what I say. Or is it, I'm just going to bide my time till that's over, till we get to the next song, and then I get something to do again. Communing. Acts chapter 20 will give us the example of the disciples coming together on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 11, as referenced this morning, is going to talk about the fact that we need to proclaim Christ's death until He returns. That we are to examine ourselves. It it outlines how this ought to be done. That's our standard. But as it relates to our standard of praise, as we do these things, as we look to bring honor and glory to God as I commune, 
as you commune? Then I have to ask those questions. How do I or did I proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again? When I partook of the bread, when I partook of the cup this morning, last week, Lord willing, next week, and the next time and the next time. Did I really dig in? Did I really examine myself? What on earth does that mean? And what does it have to do with me? And what does it have to do with bringing honor and glory to God? Well, if I think about examining myself, and I think about what we're talking about here is the sacrifice of Jesus' body and blood on the cross. The price that was paid for my sins, not his sin, the price that was paid, the cost that was paid so that I might have life eternal and I have no other hope except in Jesus, and then I'm supposed to think of that, and I'm supposed to think of me and examine myself, then I think every single week on Sunday morning as we commune together of how, praise God for His grace, for His love, for His mercy, because I need it. As I examine my life, and I know that there's sin in my life that must be battled, if I want to honor and glorify God, then I think of that as I think of Christ's sacrifice and I think you, thank you, God, for paying that price. Thank you, Jesus, for paying that price for me. You have to dig in. Do we consider how needy we are in light of His great sacrifice? Do we praise Him according to His excellent greatness? Are you laser-focused on that? Or do you just go through the motions? What about giving? 2 Corinthians talks about purposing in your heart and giving cheerfully. So do that. But what else? As you consider, as you give, whichever method you choose, do you consider giving as a sacrifice? Does it cost you anything? Or is it simply whatever's left over? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 talks about the Macedonian Christians. And it says that they gave beyond their means. Sacrifice. As I give, if I'm looking to honor and glorify God, if I'm looking to show a spotlight on God as I put a check in the basket or I on my phone give online or however I give in the public assembly, am I praising God according to His excellent greatness? What about the teaching part? And you go, oh great, I'm not a teacher. So, good. I'm not talking about me anymore. Well, give it a second. James chapter 3 says that there's a stricter judgment to those who teach publicly. This is important business. If called upon to fill this pulpit as directed by our elders, there is an absolute incredible responsibility to teach God's Word and to do it so that it would honor God. And we have excellent teachers. We're absolutely blessed. And that in some ways raises the standard of teaching here. The bar is raised by those of you who pour lots of time and effort and energy into proclaiming God's word to the best of your ability after lots of study and preparation and prayer and meditation and fasting and all the things that have gone into your preparation to bring God's word, right? This is intimidating because I sit, no, I stand and look at those who are sitting who also teach and that's intimidating because I know that they care about it 
and they pay attention to it. So I've got to give my best some, in some ways because you are. This helps us together raise this standard of praise. How can I praise God as I teach? It takes time and effort and energy. But that isn't just about those of you who publicly teach, who sit out there, and the ones who aren't sitting out there, who fit into that category. Sisters, it's about you who are intimidating. Because you know your Bible. And I know if I say something that isn't true according to Scripture, you know the difference. You know what God says. And you know what God wants. And that raises the standard for those of us who teach publicly. Okay, but now to all of us. What about you who are listening? Maybe you're not the one teaching. But a bunch of us are constantly listening as someone is teaching. What's your role? What's your responsibility? If you think of what you're supposed to be doing in this moment, do you give your best? Or do you go through the motions? In every element of of worship in our public assembly, it is never okay to just go through the motions. Giving the bare minimum won't cut it. We should praise God according to His excellent greatness in every one of these ways as we look to give Him honor, to show Him glory, to point others to Him. And to me, in every single one of these categories, it implies a great deal of exertion. Right? Not a passive sitting and just letting it happen. And I'm kind of pseudo-involved. I'm physically there. But I'm checked out emotionally. I'm, I'm checked out in my mind. I'm doing something different. But I was there. You know, in sports, they often talk about this idea of leaving it all on the field. And so I ask you, when you come to the public assembly, when you think about how am I going to praise God according to His excellent greatness, you better leave it all on the field. You better bring everything that you have, the best that you have, and give it all. Pour it all out. I pray that you need a Sunday nap, not because you stayed up too late on Saturday night or because you ate too much at Sunday lunch but instead that you gave your everything in the worship assembly Sunday morning. Okay, so by the time you leave the public assembly, you may have very little left because <laughs> you brought it all, right? And you gave your all. And you gave your best to honor God and glorify Him in the way that you could to the best of your ability. But brothers and sisters, your praise can't just end here or just start here it's just getting started for this week and for the next so i want to think about what does praise look like what is this idea of showing honor and giving glory to god what does praise look like on monday morning right what about tuesday evening thursday afternoon the rest of the time when i'm not in the public assembly What's the standard phrase outside these doors when we're not together? Maybe in some ways it's easier to give your all in showing honor to God when your brothers and sisters are side by side with you in that 
and coming together as a church to worship publicly, maybe it is a little bit easier. And I, I, I tell you, thank you, brothers and sisters, that I know when I come to this place, I'm coming and I'm surrounded by people who I believe are giving their all. And let me tell you, that raises the bar. That causes me to push a little bit more. That causes me, I pray, to exert myself a little more as I join in that praise of God. But what about the rest of the week when you're all by yourself? What about those times when you don't have your wife or your children or your your good friend from church? You don't have anyone else from the body of Christ around you in these moments that happen in life. I wonder about your standard of praise in that moment. In those moments, are you praising God according to His excellent greatness? Here's the fact. Temptation to sin is everywhere around us. It's here right now in the public assembly. There's all sorts of things that tempt you to not praise God according to His excellent greatness. Let me tell you, it's going to only get worse when you leave here and you're by yourself throughout this remainder of this week and throughout the rest of your life. And you know that as well as I do. So going through the emotions of what is acceptable according to the world is not okay. That would be easy. But bringing honor and glory to God and shining the spotlight on Him through the way you live your life, that's going to be difficult. Doing what the world does, that's the path of least resistance. But at school, at college, at work, at home, you and I must seek to praise God according to His excellent greatness. What you think, what you do, what you say, all of it. It's no different than what we talked about in our public worship. The standard for our praise is more than the bare minimum. It can't be simply going through the motions. Our walk through life should be full of exertion, stretching and challenging ourselves spiritually as we seek God's will to the fullest in every single situation. But first, I'd like to talk about what's not the standard. Outside the public assembly, if we just think of life in general, what is not the standard? I want to start thinking about the idea of faith and belief. James chapter 2, verse 19 says this very clearly. You believe that there is one God. You do well, okay? You all believe there's one God. Good job. I mean it. I don't mean that flippantly. Good. Even the demons do that. So is that enough? (laughs) Clearly not. I want you to think about love for a moment. What's not the standard? Matthew chapter 5, the words of Christ in verse 46 and 47. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? So if you love people around you who are loving towards you, Good job. I mean it. That's a good thing. Keep doing that. Keep plugging away at that. But is there any more than that? If you greet your brothers, good job. Keep it up. Is there more to it than that? Yes. Absolutely, without question. The bare minimum is not the standard. The bare minimum is is never enough. 
We look to shine the spotlight on God. We look to honor Jesus' sacrifice and praise always, no matter what. Yet bringing honor to God and glorifying Him will not always come naturally, especially in certain circumstances and situations. So what's the standard for bringing honor to God? What's the standard for praising Him according to His excellent greatness when it's not easy out there? I want to think to Acts chapter 16 and the account we see there in Scripture. You might remember that Paul and Silas are there and they're preaching. And as they spend time there and as they're preaching, there's a slave girl who follows them as they go throughout the city. Um, And this slave girl has a, a spirit that allows her to tell fortunes. And as she followed Paul and that group, she cried out these words, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And she did that for many days. The slave girl following around, her master's there with her, and everywhere she went, She kept saying, these are the servants of the Most High God and they're telling us about salvation. And I don't really know exactly why or how, but Paul became greatly annoyed. I mean, to me, I was thinking free advertisement. I mean, it sounded like a good thing, right? Everywhere they go and preach the way of salvation. (laughs) These are servants of God and they're telling you about salvation. That's a good thing. Let's get the crowd. But For whatever reason, this wasn't necessarily a good thing day after day after day. And the scripture says this greatly annoyed Paul. And he turned and he said to that spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And that spirit came out. Well, guess what? This caused a problem because now all of a sudden her masters, her bosses, didn't any longer have this slave girl who could tell fortunes. And they were losing money because she was their livelihood, and she was how they had been making their money. And it was working well, but now Paul and Silas and their group, they messed that all up, and it made them mad. So what did they do about it? They went to the authorities, and they had Paul and Silas arrested. And then Acts chapter 16, verses 23 to 25, And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. In many situations, in the moment, you will not feel like bringing glory to God. It's just a fact. In many difficult moments in your life, when you're stuck in a moment that you can't get out of and you wish that you could, that's difficult, that's not your choice, that's not what you wanted, it's not what you envisioned, that's hard, that hurts, we could go on and on and on and on. What's your reaction to it? Paul and Silas, feet in stocks, in the middle of the most secure part of this prison, at midnight, were praying and singing hymns to God. 
I think these were guys who believed in God and His excellent greatness. And it didn't matter where they were, they were going to praise God. And it was going to have an impact on those around them. You may never be thrown into prison with your feet in stocks. Okay? You may never get this moment to prove that you're going to praise God according to His excellent greatness and I'm going to do it at midnight and I've already got the, the song number picked out. we got the slides arranged, right? We're going to sing these songs and we're going to pray. I'm going to have that moment and I'm preparing for it. You may never have this moment, but let me tell you, you will have moments where it's hard in your life. What about this example in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 18 through 20? Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable, if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if, when you're beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. Have you ever had this moment? Maybe not feet in stocks, maybe not in the inner prison, right? But have you ever had a boss that you just wish you didn't have? That's hard? That's harsh? That literally causes you to suffer when you didn't even do anything wrong? When you did right? When you did what God called you to do in the workplace? You did your job. You exerted yourself. Maybe you stretched yourself. You maybe even gave more than what was required of you because you believed in as if you're serving the Lord and not men. You believed in Scripture. You believed that was a standard of how you should work and a standard of work ethic. That's given us in Scripture. Maybe you've done all that and still you got in trouble somehow. You got blamed for something you didn't even do. They said things about you that weren't even true. A boss, a teacher, maybe every now and then mom and dad gets it wrong. Right? And they, they accused you of something that was actually brothers or sisters. Right? They, they did that. I didn't, I didn't do that. Have you ever been in that moment? Every single one of us in some fashion has been in a moment like this and probably multiple moments like this. We're going to suffer. We might suffer wrongfully. But the standard is not just to be submissive to masters that are good and gentle, but also to the harsh. But it's just not fair. You don't know that guy. You don't know her. You've not lived through this. Okay. I haven't. Whatever your circumstance is, I haven't experienced that same exact thing. doesn't matter. What's the standard? What's the standard? When you do good and suffer, when you take that patiently, God praises that. That's commended of God. And because it's commended of God, I think it's very clear in opposite fashion, it's something that brings honor and glory to Him that would cause Him to commend you for it, to praise you for it. Because you chose to praise Him in this difficult moment. When it wasn't easy. When your flesh, when your humanness tells you, strike back, fight back, quit, get on social media, blast them, roast them, 
put them in their place, make sure everyone knows you're right, they're wrong. That's what sin tells you to do. But instead, you say, I'm going to honor and glorify God. I'm going to put the spotlight on Him and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to take it patiently. That praises God. That honors Him. The bar has been set high. The bar is set high by God. Okay? We need to understand this. How we're to act. How we're to live our life. What brings Him honor and glory. And if we truly want to shine this spotlight on Him for good, if we want to bring Him glory, it's going to take everything we have and more. It's going to take blood, sweat, and tears sometimes. You've got to exert yourself if you want to praise God according to His excellent greatness. So I keep talking about this quote-unquote standard of praise. And we've talked how there's, it's very clear how we're to act, how we're to live our life, how we're supposed to praise God in the public assembly, that God's Word is our standard. What does He ask us to do? And doing according to His will is going to honor Him. But I also want to make sure that it's very clear to all of us what the standard is and that the standard has a name. And His name is Jesus. If we continue on in this same exact passage, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, as we continue to read, For to this you were called. What? What were you called to? Remember what we just talked about? You're going to have a boss that's difficult to deal with, who's unfair sometimes. You're going to suffer for doing good. That's the context, okay? So remember, for to this you were called. Okay, so... Right here, one verse, we can pretty easily say, no one has been called to Christianity for a life of luxury and ease. You were called to something different. Because that's what's going to happen. That's God being open, honest, and transparent with you. Because this is what you were called to. Because Christ also suffered for us. Leaving us an example that you should follow His steps. Listen. What, is he, what, what did He do? In those difficult moments. God tells us. Praise God. God tells us. You should follow Jesus' steps. Verse 22. Who committed no sin. Okay, wait. You're like, done. Not me. Out. Okay, we can. <laughs> let's sing the invitation song. Let's be gone. Right. Jesus is the standard. I get it. And he committed no sin. I can't do that. So I don't need to listen any further. No. Not like that. Yes. He was Jesus. He was God in the flesh, but He was man. Listen. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth. Who, when He was reviled, He did not revile in return. When He suffered, He did not threaten, but committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. Who Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree that we having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. This is what you were called to, brethren. This is what we were called to. Suffering is going to happen, and we've been called to walk through it as Christ did. As the standard. 
If I'm going to praise God according to His excellent greatness, I have to ask myself, did Jesus praise God according to His excellent greatness? Amen, yes. Every time. He committed no sin. Wasn't, there was no deceit in His mouth. He got chewed on. And He didn't chew back. He got beat up. Physically, emotionally. Every single way. And He didn't threaten. What did He do? What did Jesus do? What do you do in those moments? Outside of the assembly, when it's not so easy as it is maybe in here to praise God according to His excellent greatness. What do you do? You commit yourself to God who judges righteously. Because here's the thing. The boss might not have been right. You might have been right. You might have done the right thing. You might have done good. And they did bad. God knows. That's God's place to judge that. So all I do is go, doesn't matter down here. It matters what He knows. It matters what He cares about. It matters that He's the judge and not me and not them and not you. And so I focus my time and attention on praising God according to His excellent greatness because I commit myself to God and He's the judge who will judge righteously. And it's all going to come out in the wash later. God will take care of every single one of those things. I don't need to be in that business because it's not my business. Jesus Himself bore our sins in His own body on the tree. Listen, that you and I, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. That's our mission. That's our path. So praise God according to His excellent greatness. Jesus is this pattern. In all things, certainly as it relates to honoring God and His will, because that's what Jesus did in every case. So let's think about how we praise God in every possible way. As we worship together as a church body, also as we go through life, no matter what comes our way each and every day in every situation. When you live a life of praise, you're also going to have influence on others. So that they might consider the excellent greatness of our God. Back up in this same passage, just in 1 Peter chapter 2. Beloved, I beg you, stop right there. Beloved, church, God loves you. God has called you His children. God has made you joint heirs with Christ. Are you beloved? Amen. Yes. So beloved, the Holy Spirit says, God says, God's Word says, I beg you, does this matter? Beloved, does this matter? I beg you, as people who are just passing through this place, who have their focus on a place of eternity with God the Father for all the ages. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts that war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, among the world, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they observe glorify God in the day of visitation. You know the passage in Matthew 
what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 16, that you let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your God, which is in heaven. You can have an influence. How you choose to praise God in those moments, especially of difficulty, when you're challenged, when it takes blood, sweat, and tears to do the right thing according to the will of God. In that moment, someone somewhere will notice and God will be glorified at some point in time by them. Whether that is at the end of the ages or that's literally sometime later in that same day when they ask you about that on the side. Wait, tell me more about that. How did you let that go? I struggle with letting things like that go. How did you do that? And it gives you opportunity to shine the spotlight on God. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So let's elevate our praise. This is what we're talking about here. It's the Lord God Almighty you are praising. And He is worthy of your very, very best in every single situation, every day, all the time. Praise God according to His excellent greatness. You may be struggling with some of these very things that we read about in First Peter. You may have a difficult life and difficult circumstances. I don't know every single one of your situations. I do know one of our church family who's in something in that First Peter 2 situation where it seems to be doing the right thing and the boss isn't treating that so well. These are real things that happen in real people's lives. And the Bible tells us really what to do about that. And so... In the public assembly and outside the public assembly, you may be struggling with how do I focus my praise? How do I live a life that honors God? How do I get through these things? I'm trying to abstain from these fleshly lusts that war against my soul, but, but I'm struggling. And we're not asking you that you have to come sit on the front seat today while we sing this song and confess that publicly to everyone here. I'm not telling you that that's how you need to deal with that. But maybe it is. Maybe the best thing you could do is say, out here while I'm by myself on my own, it's so hard. But here I am today with a church family that I know loves me. And I have brothers and sisters near me and beside me who walk along with me. And I need that encouragement. I need that help. I need that strength. That's why God gave us the church. That's why God gave us each other. So I'm not begging you to come this morning and sit on the front pew. But I'm telling you that there's that opportunity. That may be the thing that helps get you past this, where you can now start to truly create a plan for how I praise God according to His excellent greatness. But a harsh reality is if you've not given your life to Christ, if you've not made God's Word the standard for your life, if you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've not had your sins washed away by the blood of Christ, if you've not become obedient to baptism as we read about and as discussed in Romans chapter 6, this idea of giving our life to Christ, giving our life to God, then your praise is empty. 
Your praise is not what it needs to be. It's the life dedicated to Christ, submitting to His will and God's will in every single thing to to repent of the way you've lived your life. To confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you confess that you want to follow in His steps forever. To be baptized into His death, His burial, and resurrection. To be washed, to be made clean, to be made whole, to start over, to have a fresh start. A new life, as we read in Romans chapter 6. To walk a new life so that you can praise God according to His excellent greatness. That's commendable before God. God will bless that. If there's any way this church family can help you, please let us know as we stand and sing. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. For further information about our church, please go to normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com.